All right, it is good to be with you guys this morning. Um, thanks again. I know that uh, our worship pastor, Aaron Ivey, mentioned it earlier, but thanks for fighting the traffic and getting through all the stuff um, to get here. I know it's a busy weekend here in Austin, Texas, and so we're so glad you're here. Um, I want to invite you to open up your Bible if you brought it to the book of Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. If you don't have a, a copy of the scripture, that's fine. Uh, we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen. But we've been going through the book of Exodus, kind of verse by verse, and we're going to continue through that text today. But what I want to do is I want to start by asking you a question. If, if you've been around church for a while, you, you've probably heard this phrase thrown out there at some point in time, but the phrase is this, that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Um, it, it's basically a phrase that means this, that when God wants something done, when there's, when there's a task or a mission that God desires to be accomplished, what God doesn't do is kind of look around and find somebody with a skill set that he needs, and then once he finds an individual with the skill set that he needs, call that person to do that task <clears throat> that he needs done. But what this phrase means is what God will do is that he will handpick an individual, right? When, if there's a task, if there's a job, if there's a mission that he needs done, then he will handpick an individual for whatever reason. It's kind of a mystery in the scripture, but he will handpick a person, and then he will give them, that person that he's picked, he will give them the ability that they need to accomplish that task that he has called them to. Thus the phrase, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Now, what we're gonna see in the book of Exodus today, is that that actually is not just a neat Christian phrase that we use, but that is exactly a biblical picture of how God works when he calls us in our lives, okay? And what we're also going to see is this, and I want you to hear this, that really one of the secrets that I, I think is incredibly biblical, but it's, it's one of the secrets that I've found in life to experiencing real peace in your life and real contentment in your life, as you live your life, and, and at the end of the day, probably real happiness in your life is one, discovering what it is that God has called you to do. Discovering what it is that God is specifically calling you to do. And two, <clears throat> realizing that it is the Lord that, is, that has given you the abilities that you have to fulfill that calling. And finally, that we are to use that ability in that calling ultimately for the glory of God, all right? And that's, that's what we're gonna be looking at today. And so let's read together um, Exodus chapter 31, verse one, and we're gonna look at how God operates in, in this thing called calling. And here's the context here, is that God um, has called Moses. They're out in the desert. The Israelites are out in the desert, and he's pulled Moses aside. And he said, Moses, I want you and your people to build me a tabernacle out in the wilderness, out in the desert, I want you to build me a tabernacle so that I can be worshipped. Now, let's read this together, Exodus 31.1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, so this is God speaking to Moses. He says, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, 
I have appointed with them Oholiab, the son of Ahizamach, and, and the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, there's three things just in that little text in Exodus that we're going to see today that teach, teaches us and informs us about how God deals with you and me in regards to our calling in life. And here's the first one, if you're taking notes. It's just very simple. The first thing we kind of see in this story is that God has a specific task that he needs done. Okay, God's not just up in heaven doing his thing, watching the affairs of mankind as they're going on, but God actually um, intersects with us in mankind because there are things that he needs accomplished or rather wants to be accomplished, right? And so um, the Israelites have been freed from slavery in, in Egypt, and, and they're wandering around in the desert. God comes to Moses, and he says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you and your people to build me a tabernacle so that I can be worshiped, and then my presence can be with you. All right, now the tabernacle um, was like a, just this portable tent out in the desert that you could build, you could set up, and then you could tear that thing back down. And so I found a picture, just like an artist rendering, just so you can get an idea. Let's show this <coughs> of what they thought it might have looked like. This is what God is calling his people to build. All right, now you can take that down. Throughout the rest of the book of Exodus, I mean the rest of the book of Exodus, God, what God's doing is God is giving Moses these very specific instructions on how he wants and he desires this tabernacle to be built. God wants it a certain length. God wanted a certain height. God wanted all these very specific materials to be used to build it. And so that's kind of the first thing you got to know. And when we look at the story is that God, again, he's not passive. He, he steps into the picture and he says, Moses, I want you to do something. There's something that I need you to do. Now, that's the first thing we see. Here's the second, uh, at how God operates in regards to you and my calling. <clears throat> that when God has a job, and when God has a task that he desires to be accomplished, what he will do is that he will hand pick, he will hand select a person or a group of people that he desires to accomplish those specific tasks. That's how God works. Let's read this together again. Exodus 31 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Now watch this. He goes, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, tribe of Judah. And I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability, intelligence, with knowledge, and all craftsmanship. I have artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, carving wood, working every craft. And then look at verse 6. God says, And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of, and, and by the way, we're going to call those guys Bez and Oho because I'm tired of pronouncing their names. We're just going to shorten them. Um, Oholiab, that's hard to say. So we all need to name your son Oholiab. That's a great name. He says, behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab. Now the two key phrases there that I want you to hear, I want you to see are this. He says, I, this is God speaking, not Moses, this is God speaking. He says, I have called by name Bezalel. And, and God says, I have appointed Aholiab. And it's critical that you understand that. Moses doesn't just walk out into the crowd of, of Israelites and say, hey, everybody, let me have your attention. God has this job that he wants us to do. He wants us to build his tabernacle, and he's getting real specific on how he wants it to be built. So who out there has got some skills? Who wants to volunteer to build the tabernacle? That's not how it worked. The scripture is very clear that what God says is that God called 
by name, Bezalel. God appointed Oholiath, okay? Now, so far, here's what we've seen. One, God has specific tasks that he desires to be accomplished on this earth. Number two, it's not random. He hand selects, hand uh, picks individuals, people that he desires to do those specific tasks. Now, here, lastly here, what we're going to see in this text, kind of the third thing that I want to show you, how God operates in regards to our calling is this, <clears throat> is that once God has called a person to do that task, he's got this thing he, he desires to be done, he handpicks a person that he desires to do that task, and the last thing we're going to see is that God will then give that person the ability that they need to do the thing that he's called them to do. Well, let's read this one more time. <clears throat> In verse one, it says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, tribe of Judah. And look at verse three. The Lord says, And I have filled him. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and with all craftsmanship. All right, now look at verse three carefully. Watch what it says. Where does the scripture say that, that my man Bez got his ability? It says that the Lord filled him with it. The Lord did, right? It's like um, Bezalel was this vessel and the Lord poured into him. The calling came and then the Lord poured into him his ability. Where, where does that scripture say that Bezalel got his intelligence? Where did he get his intelligence? The scripture says that the Lord filled him with the intelligence that he needed. <clears throat> Where does the scripture say he got his knowledge and his craftsmanship? That's, that's the ability to do all the crafting and the building and, and all the stuff that he needed for the tabernacle. The scripture says that God filled him with it. Now look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. This is really cool. Since God filled him with the spirit of God uh, to do all these things, in, in verse 4 it says, to devise artistic designs, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and in silver and in bronze, in cutting stones for the settings, and in carving wood and to work in every craft. That is awesome to me, for you artists out there. Where does the scripture say that Bezalel got his artistic ability? What the Bible is claiming and what the scripture is saying is that Bezalel was not born an artist. What the scripture is saying is that God, for whatever reason, looked down at this guy named Bez and said, Bez, I'm calling you. I'm handpicking you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you up with this ability, this artistic ability to create something of beauty for the glory of my name. I love that. Now, what about Oholiab? Verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, and behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. And listen, I want you to, I want you to hear this, that I'm convinced with what I'm about to say with all my heart because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my life that in the exact same way that God kind of dealt and worked with, with Bez and Oholiab back in the Old Testament is exactly how he operates and works with you and me today, right now. 
is that God is still alive. He's still on his throne. He's not done working. He has a task, he has missions that he wants to accomplish every day from, from the smallest of, of families and apartments and, and universities to foreign nations. There are things that God wants done and what he will do is he will hand select people to do those missions and do those tasks and then he will fill you with the ability that you need to do that thing that God has called you to do. And I think that brings us to a pretty important question um, for a lot of us here. And that's, pardon me, is how do I know what God's called me to do in my life? Like, I think that brings us to a pretty important question, especially for, there's a lot of young folks that go to the Austin Stone, but I think it applies to a lot of folks. What is it, how do I know what it is that God has called me to do? If this is true, and I believe with all my heart that it is, that God has a task, he picks a person, fills them with that ability, how do I know what it is that God needs from me? Now, here's what I want to do for a few minutes is I want to talk about a couple of ways that you and I can discover and realize what it is that God's called us to. Because if you're a believer, you have some callings that all believers have um, in the scripture, the Great Commission, love the Lord your God, that sort of thing. But I also believe that God calls specific individuals to, uh, to specific things. How do we know what those things are? I'm going to give you a couple of ways that you can find out. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. <clears throat> you got to ask yourself the question. To discover your calling by God, ask yourself the question, where do I see in my life a God-given ability combined with a God-given opportunity? When, when you're trying to discover what it is that God is calling, calling you to, you ask yourself the question, where do I see a God-given ability in my life when it's combined with a God-given Opportunity, Okay, because God-given ability plus God-given opportunity almost always equals and reveals your calling. When you see those two things occurring simultaneously, God-given ability, God-given opportunity, you need to pay attention because that's probably God calling you to a specific task. I mean, think about Moses. Think about Moses. God calls him. He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him, let my people go. Right? That's opportunity. That's a God-given opportunity. And then Moses raised his hand and said, but God, I don't talk very well. And God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the ability to speak. And so you see those two things. God-given opportunity, God-given ability. Pay attention. God's probably calling you to something. Okay? Now, <clears throat> here's where you have to be careful. Here's where you have to be careful with this God-given ability, God-given opportunity equals calling, is that just because you are passionate about something in life does not necessarily mean God is calling you to it. There's got to be ability there. Just because you're passionate about something does not mean God is calling you to it. For example, when I was growing up, I loved playing baseball. I loved it. I was passionate about the game of baseball. And, and truly, I mean, when I was growing up, there is nothing more in the world that I could have imagined I would rather do with my life than to play professional baseball. I would have loved to do that. It's awesome. They, their, their season usually is over about October, which is when hunting season starts. I'm like, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. And, and so, but there was a problem with this passion of mine. I had no God-given ability to play baseball. It, it turns out... And this is mind-blowing, but it turns out you actually have to be able to hit a baseball to play professional baseball. I know that's crazy, 
but you actually have to be able to hit a baseball and then run around the bases with some modicum of speed for them to let you into the major leagues. None, I had none of that ability. And so although I had a passion, it did not equal my calling because I did not have the ability given by God to fulfill that passion. Right? I'll give you another quick example, a show that just kind of went out of um, circulation here that got canceled, American Idol. <coughs> How many of y'all watch American Idol at some point in time in your life? Y'all remember the audition? Anybody see the auditions? This used to crack me up. It used to blow my mind. But there would be some sweet girl, and she would be auditioning to sing at American Idol, and she would start to sing in front of the judges, and bless her heart, she sounded when she sang like a dying goat, right? And they would say, I'm, I'm sorry, but you... You can't sing, and so we can't let you to the Hollywood round. And then it always blew my mind because the girl would leave, and she would just be devastated. And she'd just be weeping and crying, and they'd put the camera in her face and say, you know, how do you feel? Just, I just don't understand. They don't think that I can sing. And I'm, and I'm thinking that, that has blown my mind because why did that happen? Why does this happen? Why is this girl so shocked and stunned that she can't sing? It's because her entire life... Some parent or some friend would look at her and say, sweet girl, you can do anything you want to do if you just try hard enough. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. No, you can't. That is an unbiblical statement. Okay? Somebody should have had the compassion <coughs> to come up to this girl and go, sweet girl, I love you. And I'm glad you like to sing, but girl, when you sing, you sound like a dying goat. And so God is not calling you to sing, right? That's what needs to happen, right? I, I, I thought about whether I should say this or not, but I, I'm actually, I, I'm a preaching professor at Southeastern. I go there a couple of times a year, and I meet these seminary students. They're young, they're 20-something, and, and you talk to them like, what, you know, what's God calling you to? And, and God, God's calling me to preach. And then, then, then they, in preaching class, they preach, and I go, no, 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 God's not calling you to preach, brother. No, he is not. God's calling you to sell insurance, but he's not calling you to preach, right? It's when God calls you to something, okay? That's kind of step one. He will give you the ability to do it. And so that's kind of one of the things you need to be looking for. <clears throat> but here's the other thing. You need to understand when, when you're discovering God's call in your life is, is you can't just look at this. Listen carefully. You can't just look at your God-given ability. Okay? You also have to look at your God-given opportunity. Okay? When I was growing up, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, there was something else I was passionate about. I was really passionate about hunting. I was really, I loved hunting. My dad used to take me hunting and fishing. It was just something I really loved. Hunting, opening day of deer season. Um, I know we're in Austin, but I'm just going to let this out. I'm just coming out today. Uh, that was a really big deal for me. And uh, it was like biggest Christmas for me. And I would have loved, it would have been great if, if God's great calling on my life. And I'm not trying to be funny. This is a true story. It would have been great if God's big calling on my life was to be, like, have my own hunting and fishing show. I mean, I would have loved to have done that. And here's the interesting thing. Hear this. Is not only was I passionate about hunting, not only am I passionate about hunting, but I'm also, I have a God-given ability to hunt. Did you know that? I am actually so good at hunting that when I go bird hunting, I don't even have to carry a gun. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it after the sermon, all right? So I'm passionate about hunting. That's just a fact. I ain't bragging if it's true, right, Tyler? I mean, that's just a fact. So I'm passionate about hunting. I've got a God-given ability to hunt, but here's the thing. You know why I knew, you know how rather I knew that that was not God's calling on my life? Because there was never an opportunity to do it. 
God knew. God knew that when I was 21 years old, if I had somehow gotten the opportunity to, to be this guy that was like the next Bill Dance, to be the next hunting and fishing guru show, I would have taken it in a New York minute, and I never would have stood in the pulpit and preached one time in my entire life. God had something else he had in mind for me. And so you have to be careful. Just because you're passionate about something and you have the ability to, something, you, to do something, you also have to look for this God-given opportunity in your life to do it. So God-given ability <coughs> plus God-given opportunity is how you know what God is calling you to, which is, which is how I discovered that I was called to preach and to pastor. And I've shared this before, but I, I was scared to death growing up to speak publicly. I'm scared to death. I, my first speech communications class in college, our first assignment, the professor asked us to stand up in front of 20-something people, give our name, our major, and uh, where we grew up, and I was so scared to do it, I dropped the class that night. And through a really long story, I, I became a, a volunteer youth pastor, and then through a crazy set of circumstances, for some crazy reason, they hired me to be the, their, their youth pastor in a little small town in, in, um, in College Station. And the, the preacher, for some unknown reason, asked me to preach one Easter Sunday morning. I've never done it in my life. And I kind of prepared for the sermon, never done that before, and then got up that morning and stood in the pulpit, and then I experienced something I had never experienced in my entire life. I could just preach. It's the strangest thing. It's one of the reasons that I believe in God. It's when I stood up in that pulpit that something came over me. There's an, there was an ability that I had in that place, in that time, in that moment that I cannot explain apart from the living God. And my fiance is my wife now. My fiance at the time, she was in the crowd and she sat there the whole time with her eyes just wide open looking at me. And I kept thinking the whole time I'm preaching, I'm like, girl, why are you staring at me like that? And then after the service, I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And she's like, because the guy I know was not the guy on that stage, right? Now, she's not saying you're a hypocrite. What she was saying and articulating is she was seeing this ability that she knew wasn't from me, right? So, so you see that, that calling there, there's this God-given ability plus this God-given opportunity, and that's when you need to lean into that and pay attention, okay? <clears throat> that brings us again to, I think, another important question. What if you have a God-given ability? And this is a lot of folks. What if you have a God-given ability, you know you've got it, but you don't have a God-given opportunity? You've got this God-given ability, but God has not opened a door for you to use that God-given ability. Then, then how do you know what your calling is? Okay, and here's the answer. And it's not an easy, it's not an easy answer to hear, but it's a pretty easy answer to understand. <clears throat> that when you have a God-given ability, but God is not opening a door, for you to use that op uh, uh, ability. He's not giving you that opportunity. Here's what you have to do. You have to look at where God has you right now. You have to look at where God has you right now, even if it's not using that ability. And wherever God has you right now, that's how you can know for certain, at least for right now, that's what God is calling you to do, okay? I think a great example, that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's just living her life. A lot, of, a lot of scholars think she was a teenage girl. She was young. And she's just doing her thing. She's got a boyfriend named Joseph. And they were, they were going to get married. It's fun. 
And all of a sudden, she's just doing her thing. And this angel pops up, shows up. His name's Gabriel. <coughs> Gabriel, Gabriel comes to her and says, Mary, guess what? God has handpicked you for something. There's something he wants you to do. But Mary, here's the thing. It's going to be really hard. Um, it's not really at all going to be what you imagined for your life. It's going to be totally different than probably what your dream was for your life. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to require a lot of sacrifice, <clears throat> Mary. And here's the thing, this thing that God wants you to do, Mary, he wants you to be the mother of the Son of God. He wants you to be the mother of the Son of God, and he wants you to raise him. And Mary, he wants you to, to raise up this boy into a man for 33 years. But Mary, here's the problem. At the end of 33 years, this boy that you're going to raise up, that you weren't planning for and preparing for, he's going to get tortured and he's going to die and, and be crucified and murdered on a Roman cross to pay for the sin of the world. And Mary, God wants you to be the one. Okay, now, what was Mary's response when she heard that? <coughs> what, did, what did Mary say to the angel? Did she complain? She didn't. Did she argue? She didn't. Did, did, did she get bitter at God for not giving her the opportunity to fulfill her dreams and her plans and her desires and operate in her giftings? No, she didn't. The response of Mary to the angel in that moment, which is mind-blowing to me, she looks at the angel and she says, Behold, I am the bond slave of the Lord. And he can do with me whatever he wants. I promise you this. Being the mother of Jesus, at least in that moment, was not Mary's big dream for her life. I promise you that was not all of the things she thought she would do. I guarantee you she'd had other giftings and, and talents and abilities. But make no mistake, that is what God was calling her to do right then. And she was faithful to it. She was faithful to it. She wasn't always looking ahead, but, but, but God, I, but I can do this and I want to do that. She saw what God was calling her to right in that moment, and she was faithful. And I would imagine that there's many of you <coughs> that are in that same situation, that you, you have these abilities, you have these gifts, but for whatever reason, God is not giving you the opportunity to use them. I, I, th I think a lot about mothers of small children or or even mothers of teenagers for that matter, which is where my wife is now. But I know, I know that you have more ability and you have more talent and you have more gifting than, than wiping backsides and cleaning up puke. I know you got better giftings than that. I know that, that like helping with homework and, and driving kids around all day long every day is probably not the greatest dream and plan that you had for your life or the thing that you're passionate about or the thing that you would hope. And, and, and ultimately, the, listen, that's probably not the thing. There's probably other things. Not that there's anything wrong with motherhood. That's an amazing calling. That's my point. But there's that maybe not the end. That maybe not the grand goal or whatever. But here's the thing. Here's the thing you can know for certain is that that is what God has called you to right now. You can be absolutely certain of that. Be faithful to what the Lord has called you to right now. And I promise you, just like Mary, the Lord will honor that faithfulness. And he will use that in ways you may never see until heaven. College students, I think about you guys. 
you know, really anybody that is in a a place of transition in your life where you're in, a, you're in a job that you're not really doing the thing that you're gifted at or you're a college student, you're going to class every day and you're going to doing, doing tests and classes that have nothing to do with anything you're going to do with the rest of your life. Here's the thing that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if that is where God has you, he is not opening a door anywhere else, then that is where God is calling you right now. Be faithful to what God is calling you to now where you know for certain, and I promise you, I promise you this, he will honor that faithfulness in your life. I promise you. Now, <clears throat> I want to start kind of start landing the plane here on this message by talking for just a few minutes. So those of us in the room that have discovered our God-given ability and that are walking in our God-given opportunity. I just want to speak to those of you in the room that you know what your calling is in your life, whatever that is. God-given ability, God given opportunity and you're walking in that. I, I want to speak to you because there's a landmine that I've discovered and I've seen that the enemy can take us out with, those of us who have discovered our calling. <clears throat> and this is it. <clears throat> if that's where you're at, you know what your God-given ability is, you know what your God-given opportunity is, you're walking, you're calling, here's what you got to do. There has to be a question that you ought to ask yourself today. You need to ask yourself this question today, honestly. Am I 100% sure that I am using my God-given ability and I am using that God-given opportunity for his glory or am I using that God-given opportunity and ability for my glory? You need to ask yourself that question. And I want to take just half a second here and explain to you what I mean by glory. Are you using that ability, that calling for his glory? What do I mean by that? When, I, when I'm talking about glorifying God, when you hear that phrase, glorifying God, this is what it means biblically. <laughs> Without going into all the Hebrew and stuff, this is what it means. It means to magnify something. To glorify something means to magnify it. Not in the sense of like a magnifying glass or a microscope where you take something that's really small and magnify it and make it look bigger. That's not what it means in the, in the Hebrew the glorify or magnify, it's more like a telescope. It means to take a telescope and shine or place this telescope on something that's really, really far away um, that looks really small but is actually really, really big and then bring it into clarity and focus. So when I'm talking about glorifying God, that's what that means. Is, is in your life, through your giftings and through your ability and through your, your talents and your opportunities, are you put a, a, a telescope on God and bringing him into clarity to the world so that the people of earth can see through you God? Are you using that ability to glorify God? <clears throat> now, see, here's the thing. Um, when we have been given an ability... When we've been given an opportunity and we use those things not for our, or not for his glory rather, but for our glory. When we use those things to magnify us and not magnify God, that's when everything starts to fall apart. Because you and I were literally created. The reason, you want to know why you're here? The reason you were created is to magnify the Lord and to glorify God and to put, put the telescope on him and let everybody come in and say, this is what he looks like. That's why you're breathing air right now. Everything falls apart when you take that stuff and you put the telescope on you. I mean, I thought about this today or, or this week when I was preparing for this. 
Have you ever wondered for just half a second, like why so many radically, unimaginably talented and gifted people commit suicide? Have you ever wondered what that? Or, or, or drug overdose? I looked it up, I Googled it, and, and I was like, list of people that have committed suicide by drug overdose. And I just want to just read you a couple of names, a few names here. And I just want you to listen as you hear the names about the level of talent that these people have. Jim, Jimi Hendrix, Judy Garland, Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chris Farley, River Phoenix, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse, Michael Jackson, Janis Joplin, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, John Belushi, Whitney Houston, Bruce Lee, added him for Holland, Bruce Lee, Kurt Cobain, Elvis, Robin Williams. I could go on and on and on, but here's the thing I want you to see. The names that I just listed off are literally some of the most talented and gifted human beings in their field that have ever breathed air in the history of our planet, and yet every single one of them died either intentionally because they were tired of the pain and the misery and the suffering in their lives, or unintentionally because they were numbing that pain and misery with drugs and alcohol. And why is that outcome so prevalent? I know it's an extreme example, but why is that outcome so prevalent? Is it mental illness? Maybe, yeah. Is it depression? Oh yeah, that's probably there. Addiction, for sure. Those things were there, <clears throat> but I wonder, I wonder how much of that sickness and how much of that misery and how much of that pain and how much of that addiction, if you really kind of pull back the curtains of the person's heart and you really trace it all the way down to its root, you would find this person that had been given this unfathomable God-given ability an opportunity, but they never spent or used that God-given ability and that God-given opportunity for the glory of God. They took all that talent, all that ability, all that opportunity, and they used it to shine the spotlight on themselves. Listen, God did not create any one of those people on that list to glorify themselves. He created them, and he created you for this to glorify the living God, to magnify him and to put light, the spotlight on him. And think about it for a second. What if, what if Bezalel and Aholiab, what if God had come to them and called them by name and said, Bez, I'm picking you and Aholiab, I'm picking you and, and I'm gonna give you this ability, this artistic ability and this craftsmanship and the ability to do this, that. And, and, and Aholiab, I'm gonna pick you and I'm gonna give you this ability and this craftsmanship. And they look back at God and said, thank you, God, that's awesome. You gave me this talent, this ability. You filled me up. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna build your house, God. I'm gonna go build my house. Don't you think that the entire time that Bez and Aholiab were, were hammering the nails and crafting the wood and the gold and, and using all that artistic ability and craftsmanship to build their house, don't you think that that would be just a little unfulfilling for them? In the back of their mind, in the bottom of their heart, they would just know I'm created for more than this. And that emptiness would just spiral them down into hopelessness because God didn't give them that thing for them. God gave them that thing for him. And that's the secret. 
So I want to end today. I want to end today by showing you the result of what happened when a few faithful men like Moses and Bezalel and Aholiab took their God-given ability and they took their God-given opportunity and they spin it, not on themselves, not on their plans, but for the Lord and his plans and his glory. I just want you to watch what happened here. We're done. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 40, verse 32. Don't turn there. Just listen. This is the end of Exodus. And when they went into the tent of meeting, I mean, it's done. It's built. Bez and Oholiab built that thing. And when they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court so Moses finished the work. Now watch what happened in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on him. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. <clears throat> and throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel were sent out. But, but if the cloud was not taken up, they, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, and in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Let me tell you something, folks. When men and women of God use their God-given ability and their God-given opportunity, God shows up. And everybody around you gets to see him. And that's what you were created for. So let's pray. Father, I'm going to pray today <coughs> for those three groups of people that I talked about. Anybody in this room that you have not yet revealed their ability and calling, I pray that in your due time you would do that. And I pray when they realize it, they would say yes. That they would say yes to you. Father, I thank you for the calling you've placed on my life. There is nothing that I've found apart from my relationship with you that has given me greater joy. Than being used for your glory. And so I pray that you would begin to reveal to those in this room that have it has not been revealed yet. Lord, I pray for those that you've given them ability, but they're kind of stuck in that place where you haven't give them, given them an opportunity that they think they need yet. Lord, I pray that they would be faithful where you have them they would find contentedness and peace and happiness and joy where they're at because they can trust you that you're a good God and I pray for any in this room or in the sound of my voice that have spent their talent and their gifting on themselves Lord I pray that they would see the futility of that and that today they would say Lord I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to start living and doing this for you
pray that you would bless that. Lord, if there's any in this room that have never trusted in Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior, I pray that in the best way that they can, Lord, I pray that they would trust and surrender to you by your power. You would call them to yourself and they would follow you. Lord, I love you. I praise you. Praise we sing this song. It would be more than just words that we sing, but it would be the cry of our heart. And so it's in your name that we sing and pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand together.